Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Ruth Amanda. She is a children's author and illustrator whose first book, Geckos in the Garden, has recently been selected as a staff pick by the publishing house Frisian Press. Ruth Amanda has never let go of her inner child and enjoys creating adventures out of things that most adults now find ordinary. She hopes her books inspire giggles and a love of reading in young children. And I would add to that adults as well. So uh, Ruth, welcome to the space. Hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. I missed the introduction somehow and I don't know quite what my phone did wrong, but I'm here. But you are here, and that is the beauty of it. And we're going to have such a fun conversation. We are. It's always fun talking to you. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you. And fun talking to you. So I want people, I can't wait for them to get to know, to know you more. But before we dive into the three official questions, I'm going to ask you, do you have some kind of a fun fact to share about yourself? <laughs> okay. So um, I've been stressing over that question. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I kind of have a five-point answer. Oh, good. So are, okay. Five cool things about me. Okay. Um, so one, I was born with two teeth already through my gums and lots of hair. Oh. That's very unusual. <laughs> that is. Um, <laughs> I prefer animals and small children to the company of adults. And that <laughs> probably doesn't surprise anyone. Um. I have been to China twice, but still don't quite understand how they thought chopsticks were better than a fork or spoon. I love and um, fourth, I am married to a very patient Dave. And every time I say that, it sounds like a book title, a very patient Dave. So <laughs> it may be a book at some point. Um, and then, of course, the big one is I currently live in Barbados, but uh, about five years ago, I was living in Canada's far north, just below the Arctic Circle in what is, in fact, the geographical center of Canada. Take that, Toronto. 
It's not Toronto. It is Baker Lake, Nunavut. Wait, Baker Lake what? Nunavut. Nunavut. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, ta-da! That's me Ooh. in a nutshell. That is so varied and so cool. And see what you came up with? See? I get concerned about this question because I'm like, mm, is it going to stress people out? Because some people are like, I'm just going to make something up. But these things, everybody, are really real. <laughs> they, they are. And it's an example of my ADD right there. <laughs> you're ADD, but you're, you're like, you're living your adventures. What we call this, never letting go of your inner child and creating adventures. Because I know within your story, you were not... Maybe you had it on the inside, but on the outside, which we're going to learn more about you as this goes on. But I just want to say it now is you weren't really allowed to be a child, were you? Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't. I grew up in a fairly um, strict household, but it was a creative household. Um, mm -hmm. My mom did lots of art things and what have you. Um, but, you know, academics were key. Everything was, you know, like, the church was also fairly big, like church activities, youth groups, things like that over sports and things. So a lot of the things that I would have liked to have explored more as a kid didn't get explored because I was busy not being the main character. <laughs> I, was, I was busy trying to fit the mold of what I thought everybody was expecting from me. Mm -hmm. um, and always feeling like I was missing the mark. And that's actually kind of um, one of the, one of the big things about myself is that I needed to let myself become the main character and let me shine instead of always being the supporting character. It doesn't mean I can't be the supporting character. Um, I'd like to think I'm very helpful for my husband sometimes mm -hmm. and supportive of my kids. Um, but yeah, it's, you can let your freak flag fly. You can, <laughs> you can mm -hmm. be exactly as creative and or childlike um, as you like. And what other people think shouldn't be the driving force behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. We're going to dive in more. And there's so many things even just to jump off of, of that. I love that you brought up being the main character and the supporting character in our in our lives, which are like movies. Um, and it is not a selfish thing to say that you are the main character in your movie, because we are the main character in our story, in our whatever you want to call it. Um, and if we're not the main character, not being like, everything is about me, but that you are telling your story, you are living your story. And if you're not actually living, then um, there's a lot of other bad feelings that go along with that. Uh, but before we dive into all of that, let me ask the question that I ask everybody, and then we will, we will have this free flowing conversation, um, which is how do you define creativity? Well, I don't define it. It defines me. Ooh, love that. Um, so any incident, any situation um, can trigger all sorts of reactions out of me. Um, so, <laughs> you know, like somebody sends me a picture of a gecko on their car and I immediately launch into <laughs> 
a story in my head that quite frankly just happens, right? Somebody said, there's a gecko in my car. You're probably gonna write a book about that. And I immediately in my head started going, there's a gecko in my car. He cannot go very far. His tiny <laughs> can't reach the gas. So he's not going very fast. <laughs> I love it. And it's so just, it, it has evolved into something I'm working on as a potential children's book, right? Like, yeah, gecko keeps showing up in the kids' toys, trying mm -hmm. to travel places, who knows? So all it takes is that little bit of inspiration, especially with these things, animals, which are your passion. Yeah. And you've really had a chance to explore. Um, it just, I love that. It's so important to say, and everybody, this is, it's finding this thing within you, whatever that is. And if you're not sure what it is, then it's taking the time to explore it. That spark, there's that spark. And then you just, you get into the zone. You do. And it can be, it can be really simple. So, I mean, some of my friends who don't think they're very creative uh, actually turned out to be quite artistic. Mm -hmm. um, we did some paint and sips on the patio with, which really involved more ice cream than sipping, but um, <laughs> we, we hung out on the patio with canvases and paint brushes. And it's just like, paint what you're thinking. And she's like, Oh, I don't know what to paint. And it's like, just paint whatever you're thinking. And all sorts of beach and waves came out. And she's like, Oh, it's not very good. And she got very cranky about me trying to peek over her shoulder and see what she was doing. And her waves were incredible. It's mm -hmm. like, you sure you haven't done this before? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. But it, it was just letting her know to just let go, right? Like she spends all day creating things for other people at work based on their guidelines. It's like, no, this is you, you're going to hang this on the wall in your house, just paint what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So everything just let it go, let it flow out there. You see a, a bird flying by, you know, ask yourself, where's that going? Mm -hmm. Why is it going there? Right? Or is it telling you something? Is it, you know, a kind of bird that always makes you think of legends, like in Canada, we're very tied to our First Nations and the folklore that they share. Every time I see a raven when we're back in Canada, I just start thinking about Raven the jokester, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, and what, what joke is he playing? Who's he going to play it on? Mm. So. So for you, it's stories like you for really, me, it's, yeah, it's everything. it can be stories. It can be just anything really. Um, I, I was inspired to make some miniature movie trailers to introduce movies <laughs> like they mm -hmm. do on the Turner classic movies channel where they, you know, tell you a little bit of background about the movie and, and set the scene before they show you the classic movie. And I did some movie trailers for a friend of mine who still lives in the Arctic. And then I sent her the DVDs and a USB stick that had my little three minute long trailers for them. And for the movie Tea with Mussolini, I dressed up like a complete and utter hippie flake and <laughs> did a very theatrical version with a bad English accent of I'm a little teapot as a dramatic recitation. Wow. <laughs> and, but it was like, Oh, something to do with tea. And it's like, well, I'm a little teapot. You could do, you know, 
just recite it like it's poetry instead of singing the song, but you can still do the actions, right? And you can make it really funny. So yeah, let's do that. That'll make her smile. You know, long winters, you get that seasonal affective disorder with the darkness and, and it's kind of nice to have somebody just send you a package full of giggles. <laughs> so, so I did. Um, but it, it was just going, okay, I think she'd really like this movie, but now I need to do something silly to introduce the movie. So that's what came into my head. Um, sometimes it's forgetting the words to the song <laughs> when you're, when you're driving along, mm -hmm. um, like the moon's in the sky, like a big pizza pie. That's about all I know of that song. <laughs> right. But the tune sticks Most in people. Head. Right. And I would be driving when my kids were little and, you know, that might come on the radio, but then I couldn't remember the words. So we would make up our own. So it was like when the squirrels in the trees throw their nets at your knees, that's terrifying. And, <laughs> and we would make up a silly song on the spot that matched the tune. I love it. And it was just, yeah, just letting your inner silly out. Okay. So do you hear that everybody? To me, what this is sounding like too, it's like, it's permission. It's giving permission. So adults let go of this whole adulting thing of, well, oh, you know what? I very can't. Underrated. <laughs> like that's just silly. Or you know what? Honestly, we kind of get out of touch and kind of forget. And maybe some people didn't even get a chance to really play when they were a kid. So there are so many things that are put into this, but these little suggestions that you're making of like connecting the dots of, and I really appreciate how you get these ideas. And then it's not like, well, I don't know how to do that. So I'm not going to do it. It's like, okay, well, I'll just figure it out. And you're connecting these stories of, well, if, um, if I have to just create, I created some of the content and it has to do with, you know, I'm just going to say a raven and da, da, da. And here's this silly thing, which is just fun. Okay, now I need to make an opening. And it's just like one thing leads to another with the pure purpose of a package full of giggles. Like, how beautiful is that? So, and that's the thing. Like, when you were a kid, anything tickled your funny bone, mm -hmm. right? Like... I have sons and quite frankly, they're in their thirties, but fart jokes apparently never get old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you at my mom's funeral, which we were all already kind of using as much of our sense of humor as we could, knowing that mom would have wanted us not to be all maudlin. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, somebody let one rip <laughs> in the funeral. Oh, and God. A whole row of us just, with the giggles and oh it God. was uncontrollable. Yeah. And right. at the same time, it was like, it was, it was what was needed. Right. And, you know, could I have looked at my then grown sons and said, okay, seriously, rein that in. <laughs> right. And my mother would have been laughing right with them. She would, she would have lost it. Right. Um, the strictness that she had with us as kids, she never had with her grandchildren. <laughs> so so mm -hmm. my mother would have just been laughing right along with the kids and probably handing out tissues so they could pretend they were crying instead of giggling. <laughs> and, and it was like, yeah, like these are, are the things, like everything doesn't have to be serious. Um, we, we take life so seriously and we get playing with 
our kids and or our grandkids, um, because some of us are getting up there in age now. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to go, oh, she's getting her clothes all messy. Right. I just think back to the kid that I was that felt like people were constantly sending me to wash my hands and tidy up and change my clothes and mm -hmm. think, but what was wrong with getting your hands dirty? What was mm -hmm. wrong with picking up a snail? Yeah. What are you going to catch from a snail? Right. It's, yeah. it's a snail. Now, granted, yes, you can get salmonella from certain critters that you might pick up in your garden or out in the creek or what have you, but you're not licking your fingers. You're going to go wash your hands later. Mm -hmm. So explore it, enjoy it, marvel at it. You know, you watch the little snail's eyes on the end of his stalks and then you get close and he feels the tremors on the ground and he kind of sucks them into his head. Where did they go? They just disappeared. It's magic. Mm. And, and you just need to remember that that's what's going through the little small person's head yeah. and not confine that because that is going to grow up to be genius and you're going to lose enough of that right you're going to lose it when you hit high school and guidance counselors start pressuring you to pick what you're going to be when you grow up mm. um and then they're going to maybe say but you shouldn't be that <laughs> you know your mm -hmm. skill set really makes you more suitable to accounting than than whatever right like this is roughly what happened to me at one point. So it's like, I've never liked accounting. Yes, I might be good at it, but I don't like it. It's not what I wanted to be for the rest of my life. And now I am living the life I want to by creating all day. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I was able to use that creativity when doing audits because it helped me think around the roadblock of, okay, so following the money back, there's a bend here. How does that bend work? Right. And I could use my creativity to kind of analyze it going backwards and then go at it from the front end, go from where the money started. And then it's like, oh, and that's where they plug in. Mm. So it was being able to manage using that. But you don't you don't want to be confined by what other people think you should do. And you don't want to be confined by what people think an adult is. Hmm. I'm reasonably sure Robin Williams never quite grew up. Mm -hmm. That's why he was so brilliant as Peter Pan. It was why he was so brilliant at so many of the roles he did. Yeah. Um, you know, like these people that can just stay in touch with all these different facets. I, I aspire to be them. So... So from what I'm hearing, are you, and I thank you for bringing up uh, how you brought that into your accounting. And I want you to kind of tell a little bit more about your journey in a sense, but I guess I just do want to point out while I'm, or ask the question, it sounds like you're very much of a visual person um, in the sense that you well, obviously in seeing on the outside, but also seeing internally, like you see things in your head. Is that I true? Do. I do. And they tend to jump in there already made, which, mm -hmm. <laughs> which sometimes has me do a lot of Googling because it's like, did I just write this in my head or am I remembering it from before? Mm, oh, that's um, interesting. Because, because I do have a fairly full memory bank um, that remembers books that I read as a child. I can still quote <laughs> some of them off by heart. 
Uh, and thanks to my children, green eggs and ham is indelibly, I will forget <laughs> what I had for breakfast, but I can tell you every word of green eggs and ham. Did you read it a gazillion times to them? Oh my gosh, a gazillion times a night. Um, <laughs> and my it was my oldest favorite story for bedtime. And you would read it like four or five times and he would finally start to nod off. And so you know how you're trying to be very quiet so you don't turn the page because the sound of the page <laughs> swimming might wake them up. So yes. I would just keep reciting it in that lovely rhythmic Dr. Seuss style and say the whole story. And I would be almost at the point where I could shut the book and somebody's little eyes would open <laughs> and look at the page we were on and go, that is not what that page says, mom. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You have to start all over again. And it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that one is always in my head. So sometimes when things like the, that little verse I shared earlier about the gecko in my car, it's like, okay, so then I will type that into a Google search bar and see if it comes up with anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if it doesn't come up with anything, and granted, yeah, Google's not going to find everything. But if it doesn't come up with anything even close, it's like, no, that might have actually come out of my own head. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was mine. <laughs> Fine. Okay. And if it wasn't on Google, then it's probably in the public domain anyway. So funny. It pops into your head already made. Well, it, it is. Um, if, you, if you read my author blog um, on my website at www.ruthamanda.com, um, yeah, I actually talk about the story of how I came up with the geckos in the garden book, um, with the, the little kids finding me under the bushes. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about tell us a little bit about that. People are going to go to it, but tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so um, what happened? So we're currently living in Barbados, obviously, and um, I was out in the gardens behind the the villa that we're in as a long term rental. And I was, you know, a little obsessed with geckos at the time. And, and I was looking for geckos under the shrubs and in the rocks and everywhere. I was just kind of keeping an eye out for them. And I had my iPhone handy and, you know, ready to snap pictures of every happily posing gecko. I'm like the paparazzi of bugs and lizards. So, <laughs> uh, so I spotted a gecko under one of the hibiscus shrubs kind of down the center of the walkway. So I got down on my tummy and I, you know, kind of commando crawled under, <laughs> under the bushes with my phone. And so you got my legs sticking out on the walkway and I'm taking a picture and all of a sudden these two little feet come not very gracefully plonk, plonk right by my head and then there's these little knees in the corner of my eyes and then there's this little face right there you know kids crouch right down into a little ball and he's like what you doing <laughs> and it's like i'm taking a picture of that gecko and i'm kind of whispering because and i'm surprised that the gecko did not move and then there's another plonk plonk and there's his brother and and so I've now got two kids plonked down next to me. I've pointed out the gecko and then I see another one and I point it out. And then they're on their tummies by me asking me all these questions. And I kind of did a shoulder check, like, are you alone? <laughs> right, right. And there's some parents and they've got their arms full of like pool noodles and towels. They're obviously on their way up to the, the community pool. And 
um, it's like, oh, okay, hi, I write kids books. And they're looking at me a little bit funny, but I'm answering all the kids questions with everything I know about geckos. And I'm doing a couple of very fast Googles to answer one or two of those questions. And I was just amazed because the geckos were not moving. Mm. <laughs> it's like normally they would have taken off like a shot when you had all that disturbance. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm kind of explaining to them that, you know, normally they would take off really fast and that, yeah, this is really lucky that we get to watch them. And then all of a sudden there's a little flick of a tail and gecko number one disappears and gecko number two vanished in a puff of smoke. And, mm -hmm. and, and later I got back on the patio and I'm kind of, you know, thinking about it. And I go to bed that night and these geckos and these kids are still sticking in my head. And then I'm having breakfast out on the patio and I'm, I'm just sitting there in, in one of the patio chairs having my bowl of Cheerios and there's a little bit of movement out of the corner of my eye and just underneath the railing around our patio there's a gecko has kind of crawled into the the line of vision and it popped into my head in the morning after breakfast in the garden in the sun i can see my little neighbor it's a tiny gecko one mm. and it's like oh excellent now i always have a notebook and a pencil um mm. which is kind of part of how do i incorporate this into my life i always have my notebook and a pencil near me it's in my bag every time we go to the beach or hiking or anywhere mm -hmm. um and of course my iphone mm -hmm. and so i grabbed the notebook and i scribbled down that verse and then i spotted a little bit more movement turned my head a bit and there's a couple of geckos on one of the branches of the hedge that's right next to the patio and it's like oh start writing verse two and before I know it, I've got soggy Cheerios because <laughs> I'm, mm -hmm. I'm busy writing all this stuff about geckos. And later in the day, I sat down at the computer and I typed out what I had scribbled in the notebook and started tweaking it, you know, get the meter right and everything. I emailed it to my husband and he didn't answer the email. He just immediately walked across the hall from the room where he uses <laughs> his office to the room <laughs> I uses my office and says, that's your first book that's mm. the one you're going to publish and i had other books that i was working on for mm -hmm. children but he goes that's the one you're going to send to the publisher first mm -hmm. and it was like it just happened and yeah. it was in the space of 24 hours and i had two other manuscripts that i was kind of going okay i think this one's ready for a publisher i think this one's ready for the publisher how do i envision the pictures so i have like some some illustrator notes or will i draw them myself and i had been hemming and hawing for well over a month about two other manuscripts i wrote this one in a day and it went off to a publisher by the end of the week what you're explaining there is just everybody this is pure flow this is, you had nothing in your way. You had, oh my God, it's the most feeling. It's the most amazing feeling when this happens, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, it literally just flows out and there isn't a question. You're not overanalyzing. You're not, it's not all the, well, is that good enough? Da, 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 or maybe it should go like this. It just literally, like you said, you had soggy Cheerios because this just dropped in and it just, you lost yeah, sense of time. I, I was writing instead of eating. Before I knew it, I had like a book written and not eaten my breakfast. <laughs> so yeah. You know, yeah. but it's and it's all very organic. It just pops in. I see something, I scribble it down. Sometimes when I'm writing in that notebook, I'm just writing a line. Right? 
Mm-hmm. And it might be something like, okay, so the mongoose and the, the gecko are doing something. I'll scribble that idea down and, or I'll, I'll see the monkeys up in the trees and I'll start building up a little story about the baby monkey and his mother. And I'll, I'll just scribble the idea, but park it for later because I know I'm working on something else right now, but I always write down those ideas. So I have something to go back to. Um, And sometimes like we were driving last weekend and Barbados is, um, a former British colony, obviously, and they have a lot of churches around the island. And the island is divided up into parishes. Um, those are the governmental districts, are each parish. You're in St. Lucie Parish, St. Peter Parish, St. Joseph Parish, St. Andrew Parish. And there's a main parish church somewhere near the heart of each of those organized areas. Mm-hmm and then multiple little chapels of ease throughout the island. Now, religion used to really drive this island. Um, It was the key focus for everything, for government, your daily life. They revolved around weddings, baptisms, funerals, that sort of thing. And the church has kind of lost that grip now. And so some of these churches are starting to really crumble but some of them are absolutely beautiful in their varied states of decay. And, and I commented on one that, you know, one day I'd like to stop when we go past this church and I want to go in and kind of explore the, the church and the cemetery kind of with my camera, because I think there might be a painting in there or, you know, possibly even a poem. And my husband said, yeah, and we started talking about how these churches are being abandoned at the same time, that Barbados is really not it's an expensive country to live in, but it's not a thriving country. Okay. And it just popped into my head. It's like they are altars to an absent God. It's like God forgot the island at a certain point. And, mm. and my husband's like, write that one down. He says, that's a title, if nothing else. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, scribble 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 so they these things can come to you from anywhere right yes yes so it's being open to it and letting it flow through when it does come and i know we get busy we all have regular day jobs um you know for years mine involved accounting although i also at one point had a restaurant and ran a farm and things like this work does get in the way because yeah you have obligations you know restaurant has to be open by this time you've got to have everything organized you can't just drop everything to scribble it down so even through all the times when i wasn't being outright creative i always had a notebook or a journal and i scribbled those things Mm -hmm. right i parked Mm -hmm. them for later and then i got way too tired through (laughs) with life, um, probably a series of a period of depression, because things were really not going well for me um, at multiple points in my life. And when I went up to the Arctic, I had all this time to myself. And don't get me wrong, I was working 14 hour days quite often. But when I wasn't at work, I had no other obligations. I was now isolated. I was at a remote flying only community. I knew my coworkers and a few of the teachers. Um, but my work 
really, I was so tired of people by the end of the day. It was now I'm just at home and I would unpack those notebooks. I would take out one of those ideas and I would start tapping away on the keyboard on my laptop. And I would put the idea at the top of a Word document and then I would build below it. And I started um, grabbing paint supplies and things. I, I let my parents know what I wanted and they packed me up a box and shipped it up to me on the plane. And I started turning some of those ideas just into paintings because it's like, it's, it's not really a story. It's more of a thought that I can probably get out in a picture. And it's when I started creating again. And when I started creating again, my life opened right back up. And um, I was fortunate enough to meet my very patient Dave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that opened even more doors. And Dave has been very supportive of me and all of this creativity, even though he's a little worried his eyes will get stuck in the back of his head from rolling them so often. <laughs> <laughs> but he fully supports this and uh, he fully supports that I'm going to be writing, that I'm going to be painting. Um, when I moved in with him and returned from the Arctic down to the South, which was still Canada, it was Vancouver on the West coast. Um, he actually gave me a bit of an edict that he didn't want me to take a job for at least six months because he wanted me to one recover from the long hours I'd been working. And two, he wanted me to be able to just spend more time on who I am. Oh my gosh. And pretty much, yeah, it's that unbridled support, absolutely unbridled support. He doesn't put limits on it. It's, it's this is what you're going to do. If you feel you need to go and get a job, that's fine. Um, but don't do it for six months. And then when you get that job, try and get one that you are going to enjoy. And I ended up going back into an accounting office, but I got a role that meant I could use my creativity. I could train other people by explaining their books to them in small, simple words. I could um, migrate clients from a, the old desktop accounting services to the new online accounting services and walk them through those steps and be more of an instructor and less of a daily mm. data-driven punching numbers sort of person. So I could use my creativity in those ways and I could use my creativity in interpreting what the client was asking for into an end product that worked for them. So let me, let's circle back to the Arctic for a minute. What were you doing up there? <laughs> what was your job? I was like, was she doing accounting? I forget. Yeah. So I was actually working at the Northern. Um, so um, I don't know how many of your readers or, or listeners are American and how many are Canadian. Canadians are all very familiar with fur trading history. Um, our country was largely built by Scottish people working for the English owned Hudson's Bay company, mm -hmm. um, trading furs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my Canadian ancestors came across from Scotland as part of that fur trade, um, to work for the Hudson's Bay company. Okay. So 
it was kind of in my family history. I'd heard it all the time. And uh, before I went up to the Arctic, things had gone fairly far south <laughs> for me financially and emotionally. I'd had a, a failed relationship that cleaned out my bank accounts, left me debt where I had been mortgage-free at the start of the relationship. Mm. And it, I went to, from that to having absolutely nothing and debt on top of nothing. Mm. And so I took the first job that got me out of Dodge <laughs> and mm -hmm. it was like a witness protection program. The, the Northwest company, which is the, had been the rival of the Hudson's Bay company and they had merged at some point. Uh, the Northwest company was now running all those Northern outposts because uh, a large luxury store chain had bought out the Hudson's Bay, uh, an American chain. And mm -hmm. they only wanted the luxury stores. They were going to shut all the Arctic stores. This would have left a number of Inuit communities in the Arctic Circle without a local store. Okay. Where, um, you know, we, we stepped in there in the mid-1900s and got them all reliant on what we felt was proper nutrition and, and mm -hmm. changed their lifestyle from a hunter gatherer variety into reliant on these stores and you know what they could get from us so these stores are everything they're like walmart you can get snowmobiles you can get furniture you can get your groceries uh, all your baby supplies your clothing everything in one stop um, and in some communities where you're lucky you also get tim horton's coffee and kentucky fried chicken <laughs> so, you know, those were necessities of life, you know. So right. <laughs> Kentucky uh, Fried Chicken, definitely. <laughs> so I was hired by the Northwest Company to go up and run one of those stores. Um, and I ran it. I, I didn't run the whole store. Like there was a, a grocery store manager. I was the front end manager. So I was in charge of cashiers, chocolate and um, cigarettes and then anything else that needed doing, which largely meant I helped the grocery manager with whatever had to be done when shipments came in. Everything came in by plane in the winter and in the summertime you would get a big shipping container coming up and around the coast of Canada and down through the Hudson's Bay and up the river to us. Mm -hmm. um, so running a store, essentially, mm -hmm. stocking shelves, doing the cash register, I was the bank, I was the post office. It was, it was very interesting work, but very time consuming. And in a community where people my age were considered <laughs> elders of the community, mm. and there were people my age who only saw their first white man at roughly the age of 15. They had been born on the land and been moved into towns and put into schools. So what is, and this is my like being completely naive. It, it's like, I just don't know how to picture what it looks like in the arctic it's kind of like i just see tundra yeah. um so that's kind of that, yeah what is the population in numbers so the town i was in had a population of roughly two thousand people mm -hmm. um not counting people that worked at the mine because there was a mine about 100 kilometers out of town that flew their people in and out through town um Technically, you would have to count those mine workers as part of Baker Lake, but they were staying in an isolated camp. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, 2,000 people that would include 
both Inuit and Kabloonak. Kabloonak being anybody not Inuit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you're black, white, or Chinese, you're a Kabloonak if you are not Inuit. Mm -hmm. um, so you had a school, you had a medical center, but that's really just a nursing station, no doctor in town. All medical emergencies had to be flown out. Um, it's a community where in the wintertime you are regularly at minus 50 bef Celsius before the wind chill. Um, in the summertime, you can get up to 30 degrees Celsius and you'll be sweating. You'll be swimming in the lake <laughs> because in the summer you get maybe at that latitude, you aren't getting 24 hour daylight, but you're only getting about an hour of dusk on your longest day. So it, okay. it just goes gray for an hour and then the sun's back up. The sun okay. just kind of bounces below the horizon, comes right back up. Mm -hmm. And it's very rocky. It's very tundra like. And in the wintertime, it is completely covered in snow and it is absolutely beautiful. And people think it's either white or it's gray and it's not because mm -hmm. the snow depending on where the sun is and you know where you are on the spectrum of days mm -hmm. the snow might be pink it might be blue it might be yellow depending on the time of day the snow just shifts color based on the reflected light and what's coming off the sky and it's absolutely stunning and even at night when it's dark 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 and you've got the northern lights going the snow is like sparkling sapphires it's just black little diamonds all over the place just sparkling in the moonlight absolutely wow. stunning. oh my gosh just using those words it's like oh my gosh you painted such an incredible picture it's you you can't imagine it and in the summer you know you think that the tundra is just going to be kind of brownish gray grass no you get hot pink um dwarf fireweed you get bright yellow like marsh marigolds but they're a really stunted version it, yeah the the tundra will explode with color very briefly with all the blossoms and then the blossoms die off the berries come out and you've got all these low growing um blueberries and cranberries and bake apples and their leaves will turn a brilliant brilliant red like it is not a drab place it is full of color it is full of life jurassic sized bumblebees <laughs> mm, really oh my gosh <laughs> the first time I'm, a bumblebee flew past my head i freaked out it's like what is that a hummingbird <laughs> it's oh huge. my god <laughs> um you know the territorial bird is the mosquito large. uh but yeah there's six sick which are like really giant gophers <laughs> And you've got Arctic fox and you've got the Arctic hares, which are hard to spot in the summer because they're gray and hard to spot in the winter because they go white. But in the off season, they're like half and half and they look hilarious. They look like they hate to get their roots touched up. <laughs> and, and there is muskox and Arctic wolves. And the only way I can think of to describe Arctic wolves is people will have watched Game of Thrones and the dire wolves, that's like the size of an Arctic wolf. <laughs> like you're looking eye to eye with these things if you were getting close to them and you don't want to get close to them. Oh my um, gosh. 
but yeah, there were different times when I'd, I'd be out and I would see one and it was totally not interested in me. It would be hunting lemmings or rabbits or whatever and focused on something else entirely. And as a single wolf is probably not going to be overly friendly, but it's also not a real threat to you. You're worried about packs, not singles. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'd be out walking on the tundra, sometimes with friends, sometimes not, and you would spy one and you'd get so caught up in watching it that by the mm-hmm. time you remembered you had your camera <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they would be hightailing it you'd get a fabulous picture of a tail going over oh. the hill <laughs> <laughs> i'd get so busy sometimes i was even watching them through the zoom lens on my camera but i would forget to hit the shutter button because it's like oh it's so beautiful it's just reminding me of walter mitty i don't know did you see that movie i did yeah, so that that very last towards the end of the movie where Sean Penn is like wanting to capture the the picture of the elusive, you know, uh snow tiger or whatever it was. Yeah. And then um Ben Siller's like, Aren't you gonna take the picture? He said some things are just good for the mind. It so it's true. It's true. Yeah. And you know, like there were the sounds, there were the smells. The Arctic was really good for just opening up my creativity and my curiosity and letting me just be partly because I was isolated. Um, and it tore my heart out to be that far from my boys, but they were in their twenties at the time. I mean, they were grown up. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a certain tragedy to not being able to call them up on like Friday morning and say, Hey, burgers at six tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and meet mm-hmm. them at the local burger joint. You couldn't do that anymore. So you had to like pre-schedule a call to make sure they were going to be around and not busy. And Right. And it got tricky. And of course, my parents were at a point where they needed a lot of help with their medical trips to the city. So I had to arrange quite a bit of that from up there and hope that my siblings were able to keep up with the rest of the needs that they had. Like I, we found somebody that would drive them in and I just quietly made arrangements to keep transferring money to his account to cover gas Mm. (laughs) because, you know, they were on the farm and they, um, well, not the farm anymore. They had moved into town, but they were an hour and a half from the city where the big hospitals were that they had to go for the specialists. So you needed somebody to drive them because one was deaf and one was going blind. <laughs> it's like, I don't want either of you driving. Somebody's got to take you. But so here, there, there were those isolations, but at the same time, yeah. the isolation meant I had time to take out that notebook and go, what was I thinking when I wrote this? Um, and, and quite a few of the ideas that I had jotted down in my journal over the years were like, wow, that's really dark. I'm not unpacking that, right? Like there were ones that I just, I stroked out. It's like, no, that's not me. Mm. It, it might be where I was then, but it's not where I am now. And the the things that always kept coming up were, and I mean, I'm still a fan of Dr. Seuss as an adult. I will still reread anything except Green Eggs and Ham. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just, you know, like these things pop into my head. They tend to rhyme. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they are just a story. And I'll, I'll scribble it down and then I'll see where it goes from there. And some of them are good. Some of them just end up as a journal entry, but it was good for me to let go and just go, this is who I am. I'm not the person who has this mountain of debt I'm going to have to recover from. Like I, I went from being retired to wondering if I was going to have to work my entire retirement. 
Mm. Um, and I had, you know, I'm not that person. I am not the person who's always going to be behind the scenes. There is nothing wrong with me supporting somebody that I'm in a relationship with, but not at the expense of supporting myself. Mm, God, talk um, about self-care. And supporting my kids doesn't mean I have to drop everything, right? Like when I went to school, I had a student loan. I had a part-time job. I studied, I paid. Did I get a handout from my parents? No, not when I was going to school. So when I was not able to help my kids with those sorts of things, they actually understood. It's like, you know what? Financially, I can't do it. But this is what we can do instead, right? Like I can't mm -hmm. pay your tuition, but I'll help buy your textbooks. And mm -hmm. I will proofread your papers. And I will, mm -hmm. you know, I will help you in the ways that I can. But I'm not going to suddenly not be able to go out for pizza once a month because I can't afford my rent because I paid your tuition. Right. You have two parents and one of them has earning potential and one of them at the moment doesn't. So let's flatten this out and see what's going to happen. And mm. we would make plans. So there was nothing wrong with being able to explain to my kids that there were limits on what support I could give them. And they've never held it against me. Well, because you were, you know, you were clear in communication. Right? I, I find it's so when you're not talking about it, when you're not clear on the communication, then there's lots of stories that can be created by the other person in their head of why something isn't happening. You're not being truthful. You're not, you know, whatever the scenario is. But in this case, you were you were being vulnerable in a sense and saying, this is real. This is the truth. I'm yeah. being transparent. Um, and then a conversation can happen because they're old enough We've recently gone through scenarios like this and our kids are 20 and 23 yeah. and they're like, we are old enough for you to actually tell us what's happening. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, instead of feeling a need to protect and think that they're, you know, they're just your kids, which they're always going to be just your kids, but the age, everybody appreciates honesty. And it, at a certain point there's the vulnerability, right? Like, as I said, I went from being financially stable and being able to, you know, sit back and do the things I wanted to do yeah, to being broke and having to rebuild again. And yeah. I had done that a number of times because this isn't the first time that happened to me, but it was like the vulnerability of having to explain to my kids, okay, so obviously mommy made a dumb decision. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And, but I own it. It's my mistake. It's not your mistake. It's nobody else's mistake. It is my mistake. But this is where I'm at financially. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. Um, so let's break it down to what do you need from me? You need a little support while you're going to school. Okay, I can do, you know, proofreading term papers. We can still have our burgers on Friday night. And you know, you guys can always talk to me. But I'm going to be very clear so that you, you aren't expecting things that I cannot do. Right. It was setting a limit, but to set the limit, I went open and vulnerable and let them know. And it's 
I think it was a little trickier too, because I had boys. And at the same time that I've been trying to teach them that there is a gentlemanly way to do things and a non-gentlemanly way to do things, which is hard when you're trying to teach them that from the female perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want them to interpret it as, so I need help, give me money. Right. <laughs> right? right. It's like, this is right. totally not what I'm, I'm here for. I am here to just explain to you that I now have limits. Mm. And being able to do that without, without giving them the impression that it was, I can't do this. Can you help me? It's, right. you know, I'm just saying, I can't do this, but I will be better. I just need to rebuild. And I've done this before and I will succeed because failure is not an option. Right. Right. Um, and in some ways I think, I have some survival skills that I know not everybody has. I've gone through the women's shelter. I've gone through sleeping every night at the bedside of a son in the children's hospital. I've gone through a number of really difficult things. Mm -hmm. And yet my first reaction is always to find something to smile at and something to laugh at. Mm -hmm. And some people, like with Robin Williams and, and others, right? Like quite often you find that the comedian that you admired for so long had a mental health problem. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do I have one? I had to think about that a lot and talk to some people and determine that I had obviously gone through some depressions at different times, but I had dealt with it in a way that made it better. Mm -hmm. um, without having to and do i need to talk to a therapist oh yeah <laughs> my mm -hmm. favorite therapist is my very patient dave <laughs> it um, is definitely the title of a book it is very definitely the title of a book but it's you know what what doesn't kill you does make you stronger um yeah. and can open up all sorts of possibilities because now that I am mentally and emotionally and have been since I went up to the Arctic um, in a very happy, positive place. I'm feeling strong. I'm going forward. I'm letting me be me. I'm not limiting the weirdness. I am letting that weirdness fly. And by not limiting it, I am living my best life and letting all of that joy, because I had that joy even when I was depressed, just mm -hmm. not a way to express it. That's all. That's all that it is. Oh, my God. OK, I can't believe we're almost at the top of the hour. It's crazy. Um, we could talk for hours and hours and hours. Um, OK, so let's get to the third. So to wrap up with the third and final question, which is a little repetitive, but it puts the little bow on the box, which is why do you think creativity is important? Well, first of all, it keeps your inner child entertained, which is very important because, you know, inner children, when they aren't entertained, do things like get their wedding dress soaked, rescuing jellyfish, um, and, <laughs> which is a whole other story, which you've heard part of. Um, it, it lets you express your true self. 
Um, and it turns every moment of every day into an adventure. And if life is not an adventure, why are we here? Oh my God. That is the most um, beautiful note to end on. So I'm just gonna lead right in and say, Ruth, how can people connect with you? Um, so I threw it out in the middle of the podcast. Uh, best way to get a hold of me would be to go to my website at www.ruthamanda.com. And um, on there, you can hit my contact me or you can make comments on any of my blog posts and I will be able to respond to you. I'm also, um, I have my author page, Ruth Amanda Author on Facebook. So uh, you can find that with Facebook at Ruth Amanda Writes. Um, and I'm also on TikTok and Instagram with at Ruth Amanda Writes. Perfect. TikTok and Instagram. Okay, so before we say our goodbyes, is there anything that's like on the tip of your tongue or thoughts where you're just like, oh, one final thing I want to say? Be happy and get creating. There we go. Ruth, thank you so much for for hanging out and chatting and just being who you are. I, I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you again for having me. I've really enjoyed chatting with you as always. And I'm looking forward to our future projects that we have going. So, so exciting. So everybody, Ruth is a contributing author in two books with my publishing house, Express Yourself Publishing. She's in Shout It From the Rooftops, Lightbulb Moments That Need to Be Shared. And she's in an interactive book called I Love You Because I Love Me Because. So as you as you can hear from her stories they just i've just been smiling this whole time um so i i truly i'm <laughs> truly very grateful for you and i know that everybody listening is as well so you need to connect with ruth and everybody listening catching us who caught us live catching the replay we know that you could be doing anything with your hour and we so appreciate you spending it with us the space is all about connecting sharing stories and inspiring each other. I know I'm incredibly inspired right now. And um, please like, follow, share, all of that good stuff because I believe we've always needed this, but we have needed it now more than ever in the past few years. And sharing, meeting these incredible humans and expanding this concept of what creativity means beyond the societal definition, it gets to the core of joy, happiness, and love. And that's what it's all about. So with all of that being said, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and we'll be talking again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like it's all part of the process the self-awareness feels so good you feel more connection to yourself connection to others and huh 
be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, copy books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't, we are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link and you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it, see what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So IamCreativePhilly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story, because we all have one.